This is The Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, Internet World, West Alabama. How are you doing on this wonderful Wednesday? This is the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You're hanging out with us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Amazon. We appreciate everybody who's subscribed, rating, and reviewing the show. We're a proud part of the Bama Central Broadcasting Network, along with our friends Blue Collar Unplugged, with our friends Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle. You can read our friend Blake Byler's article on Mark Sears and why he gets no respect right there on the cover of BamaCentral.com and subscribe to Blue Collar Unplugged for each of their weekly episodes covering the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team. It's going to be a fun Wednesday. Hopefully you guys are having a great day. You you enjoyed the midweek Alabama baseball win yesterday over MTSU. We uh, debuted a new segment on the show, 3-2-1, talking about Alabama football yesterday. We're going to have a lot of fun talking to our friend, getting ready for tonight's Alabama basketball game against the number 24 Florida Gators with our friend Hunter Johnson. You know him and see him and love him on Twitter at Burner L. Johnson. You can hear him before every Alabama basketball game right there on Tide 100.9 and after most Alabama basketball games uh, on Tide 100.9 talking about the Crimson Tide win or lose and how the season's going. Hunter, how we doing, man? Thanks for carving out some of your time on a Wednesday. Doing good, man. Happy to be here. It's been a while since we've talked um, on here, at least. Uh, and you, you say that you know you can hear me before every game. You actually will not be able to hear me before today's game because baseball is preempting us. So I mean, I'm kind of excited about it because I'm going to go out to the Joe and watch a little baseball before I head into uh, Coleman. Well, I'd love to talk to you about the baseball team that started off 4-0 and and we'll kick that can down the road towards the end of the conversation because they seem like they might be uh, having a little exciting start to their year. Obviously, some tough news yesterday from the starting pitcher's perspective, uh, but we'll talk about baseball here in a minute. The main reason I wanted to talk to you is about basketball and then football, getting the Kalen DeBoer temperature in the room, uh, but really it's the Crimson Tide basketball season. Six games left in the SEC play, and Alabama is sitting in first place if i told you that uh june let's say after after uh jq make sure make sure he tells everybody goodbye and goes to memphis so you hear that news in june uh alabama is still going to be in first place and you say what i think the last time that we talked was in june after the jq news and i'm pretty sure that i said at that point that i thought we still had a really good shot i thought we had a really good roster and that it wouldn't have necessarily surprised me that much now if you had told me that in Mid-December, I might would have said, uh, I'm not sure, so sure about that. At that point, this team I thought was looking more like a 12-6, and 11-7 and seven type team. But a really good shot to, you know, 13-5, and 14-4. Um, and four. I mean, even, uh, you know, 15-3 and three at this point. Alabama hosting the number 24 Florida Gators tonight in Coleman Coliseum at 6 p.m. Uh, look, it's a huge game, the start of a huge stretch. Alabama going on, what, five quad one games in a row, and it's a huge chance to boost your resume. Coach Nato yesterday talking about Indiana State falling out of the net a little bit and what Oregon falling out of the net a little bit as well. So it's a big stretch for Alabama on that perspective, but even bigger to win the league. If I uh, – look – 
people from the outside Alabama perspective, they say, Joe, why do you care about winning the SEC? It doesn't matter. All that matters is the end of the year, the the March Madness. And so I say, okay, well, what about seeding and this, that, and the other? They say, oh, well, we don't care. Three C, two C, doesn't matter. Get to the final four. You've got a great shot right here. Uh, what do you think of this Alabama basketball team, the adversity that they've had? And you spoke on it in December, looking not so hot. What has changed since December to put them in this position? Um, Better defense. Uh, still not where we want it to be, where we need it to be. Um, I said before the season that I thought we, if we were a top 40 defensive Kempom team, that we would win the SEC and have a really good shot at the tournament. Well, right now we're like 70-something. Yeah, they're still the you know, still have a chance to get higher. Um, and I think Nate kind of agrees with that on the top 40 thing, but play better defense. The schedule got easier. And the way this schedule opened up for Alabama um in SEC play was perfect for this team to get a little confidence back, get the confidence going. And now this team is playing with some confidence. The offense has always been there, even in those losses in the in the non-conference. Um, Alabama was, was showing they could hang with anybody, hung with Purdue, Creighton, Arizona in those three tough losses. Um, but I think that helped the team also, but they had to learn how to win also. Um, and you get a little bit of confidence at the beginning of the conference play. And now this team is playing with confidence. This team knows that they can beat anybody in, in any given night, but because of the style that Alabama plays and the fact that they have not guarded as well as we probably need to, they can also lose a game on any on pretty much any given night you saw when Alabama went on the road at Vandy in that house of horrors, a tight game late. Um, but this is a really interesting matchup to me. It's the biggest game in college basketball tonight. Um, you've got a Florida team that's coming in one seven of their last eight, uh, have not lost in a month. Um, it's you know gonna be a really tough test for Alabama. They mimic a lot of what you saw this past Saturday, but maybe with a lot better shooting percentage. Obviously, Florida uh, scoring, what, 83, 84 points per game. Uh, but their offensive rebounding is, what, second in the SEC. How do you to think the, to the team that we played this past Saturday in Texas A&M, and you saw how Alabama had a tough time with that. Now, you, you still are able to win a game by more than 20 points when not getting bodied on the boards, but that's what happens when you make, you make a lot of shots. Um, I don't – we had to rebound better, and I think Nate is drilling that into the team. Um, but tonight will be another big test of, of the rebound. you got to get those defensive rebounds. And I want to see guys like – I think our guards do a really good job for their size of rebounding. Um, we need more out of the bigs. We need more out of Pringle. We need more out of Grant Nelson. Yeah, you absolutely uh, we got to get more more out of the front-line guys. My question is combining those factors with with you, Hunter. We've seen the shooting in Coleman Coliseum, 42% this year is absolutely absurd. But you've seen the numbers drop off on the road, which is you know expected. Combining the not drop- right, real quick on that note, please. Not that significantly. It's not a huge, huge drop off. And if you take the um, I believe it was the Arizona game out like of that. 20, I think, four of 20, I think. Alabama is closer to um like around 40% on the road shooting threes. Okay, so Coleman, if you will. that gets me to my point. You're playing in Nashville SEC tournament away from Coleman Coliseum, NCAA tournament, you know, big neutral psych arena type of environments. How much is the rebounding uh, slash physical play going to be a problem when they get into postseason action? I don't know is my easy sure. answer to that. Uh, you heard Nate talk in the post game about the rebounding and how well they don't award the winner of the game based on who gets the most rebounds. It's who scores the most points. And with the style that Alabama's playing, going with a four-guard lineup, which I really, really like, um, 
you are going to you're going to you're giving up some rebounding with when you go with that, but you're also gaining more offense. And you see that when your four guy, Rylan Griffin, is you know putting up threes. And the thing is, Florida tonight is going to play two bigs. They're going to try to play physical, much like A and M did. Well, yeah, well Alabama have some mismatches down low, yes, but they're going to have mismatches too. Um, their five guys going to have to come out and guard Grant Nelson. Their four guys going to have to come out and guard Rylan Griffin. Um, so there's going to be some issues for them as well. Alabama, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against the Florida Gators. Okay, Mark Sears aside, I take him off the board. Hunter Johnson, the most important starter for Alabama is – Grant Nelson. Because of because of the defense, because of the requirements that he has to do on the defensive side of the floor or the any offensive contribution? I mean, you want to get offensive contribution as well. Um and he's developed, I think, a really, really good back-to-the-basket game. Um, but obviously, he made a three uh, last week. If we can get just get him shooting, you know, between 30 and 35% from three. Right now, I think he's shooting like 29%, which is okay. Um, but I always hoped that we could get to a point where he could play the five for us well. And it was that Mississippi State game against Tolu Smith where he showed that he can do it. Um which makes me feel better moving forward. And, and even, I mean, he had a tough game against Janai Broom, but everybody has a tough game against Janai Broom. Um, and I don't and I don't really know why he had a better one in th- at the one at home than he did on the road, uh, probably because they were playing in that Cracker, cracker Jack box of an arena. Um, but I would say it's Grant Nelson, both from an offensive and defensive spot. Um, with him playing the five for us against physical teams, he's going to have to show physicality. and he And he's done that for the most part so far this year. How much value do you give the Texas A&M win on Saturday based on them losing to at Vanderbilt on midweek Tuesday and then following up last night losing to Arkansas, quad three loss? Uh, obviously, we love the Arkansas's downfall from our own personal perspective. But, like, winning against Texas A&M, what, what, what is that value? I mean, first regular season SEC win? Well, I would say this. At the beginning of the year, going into conference play, a lot of people were picking that Texas A&M team to win the league. That's a team, a team that went – like 15 and three in the league last year and returned a lot. Now have they played well this year? No, they have not. Um, but if you had told me all those outcomes were going to be the case coming into the season that AM would go on the road and lose at Vandy and would lose to Arkansas at home, I would have said, all right, yeah, that sounds about right. Cause keep in mind, a lot of people pick this Arkansas team to win the league. So that's an Arkansas team that has a, a ton of talent and it's just all a matter of them putting it together. And they were able to do that last night. Um, Texas A&M's kind of fallen into that bubble range now, though, where they're going to be like a last four in. Um, I think that the way Alabama played with still getting out-rebounded the way that they did, um, it's still a very, very impressive win um, to win that game in the way that you did, scoring 100 points um, and winning by 25. Okay, so uh, on that note, Karen, on the committee and all the pundits have said nine, nine SEC teams. I've been on the eight-seven train because of teams are going to beat each other up. A lot of these bubble teams are going to beat each other up. Um, You know, Florida's pretty firmly in right now. I could see A and M or an Ole Miss falling off. Um, I think Ole Miss is a good basketball team, and it kind of concerns me that we're going to have to go there next week. And that's going to be, that's a huge game for them. It's going to be their biggest home game this year. So a win for them could really solidify them in, um, in terms of their NCAA uh, chances. All right. So our man, Mark Sears with 23 points on Saturday, he's averaging 20.6 points per game uh, this season, leading the SEC, but 45% from deep. What's the deal? Uh, nobody loves him as far as the national media. What's the deal as far as his dis- the disrespect? I've offered my own perspectives on that in the last couple of days. What's your perspective? 
he's not super flashy. Um, and a lot of times you'll look up in the first half, he'll only have like six. But he's pretty much guaranteed 20 every single night. Um, and he's not like a guy like Brandon Miller who's doing it with dunks and like being flashy. He's just incredible at getting to the bucket. One thing that I really like is that he doesn't ever force the issue. He allows the game to come to him, which is like what I said with him. A lot of times first half, he'll start off a little bit slow because he's getting other guys involved. He's being a true a true point guard. Um, but with him and Estrada both kind of being combo guards, a lot of times once Estrada kind of takes over you know, the primary ball handling, you see Sears start to get open. He's really good at working his way open for threes. Um, and then again, so, so good at getting to the basket. And, you know, he's like six, generously six one. Um, and the way that he's able to get, get inside against rim protectors and still get the ball up. If you let the guy go left, you pretty much got no chance. Nate Oates in his fifth year here on almost, you know, three quarters of the way through his fifth year, has Alabama first place, probably going to get a high seed. Obviously, last year was kind of the high water mark with the number one overall NCAA seed in the double NCAA SEC tournament. Uh, we celebrated the 2004 Elite Eight team this past, this past week. This team, you know, can get hot. The current team can get hot or and play well and could probably make a decent run. Depending on the depends on the seed and depends on the the bracket. If they make a good run and continue where they are in the SEC standings, does this top last year's team as far as NATO's best team, NATO's best job? It's definitely NATO's best coaching job to lose so much production from last year's team to lose four starters, um, and to lose your entire assistant coaching staff. And to piece together a roster um, from some mid-majors, you got Latrell Reitzel coming in, uh, Aaron Estrada, and Grant Nelson. And I think part of what why Alabama struggled a little bit early in the season was those guys weren't necessarily used to the physicality. They weren't kind of ready for the speed and the style. He took guys that played totally different styles. And he's talked about that in press conferences where, like, he's, he has to get on to Latrell Reitzel for not shooting enough. Says he's the best shooter that he's ever – best pure shooter he's ever coached. And he has to get on – he's been doing it. I saw at, at Mississippi State, I, he took him out of the game because he did not take a, an open three. But you're seeing Latrell start to – when he's open, he's going to jack. You saw when he had a fast break uh, on Saturday, dude just pulled up and drained a three. He was, was at zero points uh, until about 14 minutes or so to go in the game and finished with, what, 17 just because yeah. it was bam, 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 bam. Microwave, man. He was heating it up. Um but yeah, I think this is by far Nate's best coaching job in terms of what Alabama can do in the postseason. And you know, right now my expectation is we're going to win the league. And like you talked about SEC titles, they matter uh, because you're hanging up a banner. Anytime you can put up a banner, it matters. It shows that you were the best team in that league. Um, and then every time Alabama's won an SEC title under Nate, we've ended up winning the, the tournament as well. I'm not as huge on the tournament. Um, you know, I think it, it, if you like we, we used to talk about with Wimp, if you roll the ball out there, you want to win. Um, and I know Coach Sanderson uh, take, took the SEC tournament very, very seriously. Um, and Nate, I think Nate does too. Uh, in terms of the postseason, we talked about this last year. A lot of it's based on draws, man. And Alabama ran into a buzzsaw last year in San Diego State. Me and you were both there for it. Um, that was a team that had some physical guards that really pushed Alabama off the three-point line. Um they had got guys that kind of looked like Latrell Reitzel to me, like thick guards. Um, if you run into a team like that, you never know, but there's also a chance that you don't and you're playing your best ball at the right time of the year. 
and you get some favorable draws and you were able to go on a run. Um, I think if you had told me going into the 2021 NCAA tournament that Alabama was going to get an 11 seed in the Sweet 16, I'd have felt really, really good about that. Alabama kind of got a good draw, but it turns out UCLA was also really, really good that year. Um, had just had some struggles in their conference play, but they put it together at the end of the year. Um, it's just all going to be based on draws, man. And if, like, so if Alabama is able to, let's say, win the SEC title, let's say you don't win the tournament, but you make an Elite Eight, or God forbid, a Final Four, yeah, it's that would eclipse any of the, the prior seasons that Nate's had in any season in Alabama basketball history. We're talking to Hunter Johnson right here on the Joe Gaither Show. You can follow him on Twitter. You probably already follow him on Twitter at Burner L. Johnson, and you can listen to him on Tide 100.9 on the Tide 100.9 app pre- and post-game before and after most basketball games. I think I've done better about doing post-game this year. Yeah, I know. I've been watching you listen yes. to you. I'm going to join it. Used to, Joe, this is a little inside baseball here, but Joe can tell you, like, there'd be some games that I just wouldn't – like, the last two years, Joe is my co-host, and – especially that the 2022 season that was just so frustrating. There would be times where I'm like, I'm not doing it. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to have to do it. But I've, I have found, and now that I've started to get more committed to doing the post game, those shows can be really good even after losses. Um, probably my best show this year was the uh, after the Auburn game down there. Um, I mean, we went for like an hour and 15 minutes. Like we had great callers. Um, and I think more people are starting to, and as I've gotten more committed to doing the show, more people are used to knowing that it's going to be on. Um, so therefore they are able to, uh, call in and talk. And I love talking ball with anybody. Actually, I'm not going to be able to do a post game tonight either. Our guy Noah, uh, he's maxed out on hours, so I can't, I don't, but I will be back. I'll be doing pre and post on Saturday. Ooh, and Saturday is going to be huge. Let me get your thoughts on uh, going up to Lexington. I mean, Kentucky season has been a roller coaster, but they're kind of on a hot. I mean, they go into Auburn and beat the brakes off of them. Uh, they're found themselves defensively with this uh, Ogano Enyenzo kind of guy in, in the middle. I don't know if I just said his name right. I, I wrote it down somewhere. They've found themselves a good bit, it seems like. Yeah, they have you know, looked great against Auburn. and Obviously, we'd love to see that. But then you're thinking, man, all right, they look really good, and we're glad they beat Auburn in the way that they did. But, damn, you got to go up there and play those guys next week. Um, I think Alabama will – right now, Kim Palm has us favored by two. Uh, but I don't think that's taken into account how well Kentucky's playing lately. I think Alabama probably be a one- or two-point dog up there. It's not a game that I expect to win. When I've looked at you know our remaining SEC schedule, um, and when I looked at it a while back, I thought – that could the floor. I think this Florida game is going to be tough. I, but Alabama has shown really well that they're they're good at home. I, I don't. I, I expect us to win tonight, um, but I do think it'll be a very very good game. But I figured if you look at you know I think if we lose two more games, we'll win the SEC. And I say that the two most likely losses um, would be Kentucky and at Florida. Um, it'd be a quick turnaround. You end up playing Florida two weeks after this game. Um, and then that, that game at Ole Miss is going to be tricky, too. Uh, Ole Miss is a, a pretty physical team as well. Uh, so that one, you know, you, this is the tough part of the schedule. Um, and you want to see Alabama, you know, two losses I would take all day right now. Because then you got you got Tennessee, one of the best teams in the league, coming to you also. 
All right, so Hunter Johnson, we're giving you the magic potion, and you're making you uh, coach Hunter Johnson for the next two weeks. You can change this team in one way, or you can enhance this team in one way to get them ready for a postseason play. Uh, no restrictions, uh, obviously, uh, outside the loss of man. What, 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 what are you doing with this team uh, to, to get them ready for that SEC tournament, and, uh, and more importantly, NCAA tournament run? Another guy who I think is really important for this team, it's not necessarily something I would change, but just some, somebody that I would have kind of come into his own a little bit more, and that'd be Nick Pringle. Um, not just be five fouls. And I thought he played well against a and I thought he played really well uh, at LSU. That was probably the best game of his career at LSU. For him to continue to you know do things the right way, um, because you know it had the suspension earlier in the year, uh, and Coach Oates talked about how it's not like he's not a bad kid. Like he, Nate loves him, just wants him to do things the right way. Um, and, you know, that LSU game, he got a dumb technical. Like, just don't do dumb stuff, man. Like, just be like, and for him to, if I could get Nate Pringle to not do dumb stuff, then yeah, that'd probably be the one thing that I would change. Okay, we're, we know you love Alabama basketball. We know you love Alabama golf as well. You love all the sports here at the Capstone, and you're following right here. Football has been the talk of the town. The last six weeks has been absolutely crazy. Coach Saban retires. Uh, we experienced a great 17-year run. What's been your kind of 10,000 view up experience over the last six weeks? You get Kalen DeBoer hired. You get the kind of coaching carousel spun really <laughs> a couple times. You get the transfer portal ins and outs. Your six-week kind of uh, takeaway over the last uh, – after Alabama football. Well, I'll never forget. I think this is going to be like one of those things like – and I hate to pull a coach statement here and compare anything to 9-11 or anything like serious like that. But it's one of those things where when you heard the news, you remember where you were. And obviously I was at session. Um, and so we're sitting in a booth at session with some guys and uh, the news breaks. I get to, my phone is just blowing up. At one point I had like 40 something unread text. Um, and so we just kind of sit there and like in silence. Didn't Nobody really knew what to say. Um, and then you start thinking about, all right, who are the phone calls? Who are we going to talk to? You start, the, the, the big name early was, um, crap, I'm having a brain fart now, uh, or Dan Lanning. That was the big name early. Well, then I never really got on that train because I knew what his buyout was. And I knew about the, the unmatured stocks that he has from Nike that would make that buyout. Just We're, we're not going to do that. Um, and then I think that we made one phone call to Sark. And I think, and I would have, I would have been very happy with that. I also could totally understand why Sark wouldn't take it, but I do know that he thought about it because he really feels like he owes Alabama, the university a lot for saving his life twice, pretty much. Um, but I think he looked at it and saw, man, I can do, to me, that, that's one of the top three jobs in the country, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. So I totally understand why he would not make that move. Um, and then my, Next phone call would have been Kalen DeBoer. You look at what he's done. I know that uh, Greg has been high on DeBoer for a couple of years. Um, and it felt to me like a slam dunk. Uh, the guy you know, coached his team to the national championship game, beat Dan Lanning twice last year. Um, it seemed like, you know, a slam dunk. And then, but there is, you know, the only thing that concerned me was a little bit of the cultural fit. And I was talking to Cole Kublick and he was like, look, I know this guy. Don't worry about the culture fit. He'll be able to ingratiate himself in pretty much any culture. And I think that he's shown to do that. And then the concern was recruiting, you know, the sky's falling. First of all, in that, Byrne told him, told everybody to give him 48 hours. I think he got it done in like 39. 
But man, the gnashing of teeth amongst the Alabama fan base for those 39 hours was, and I was just trying to be like, guys, it, this doesn't just happen overnight. Like we, and I think that Saban totally sprung this on Greg. I don't think Greg had any, I mean, I think he had an idea it might come, but I don't think he was like making plans for this. I know he had a, a, a book full of, you know, the people that he would target in this scenario as he does for every single sport, because as a good, that's what a good AD does. Um, but then the gnashing of teeth that went over during that, then the weekend when you've got Bond leaving, you've got Nebot leaving, um, Ron Williams decommitting the night that Saban retires, um, you start to get a little bit worried. And that's why I thought that Ryan Williams was going to be Kalen DeBoer's Julio. If we can get Ryan Williams on board, it'll kind of steady the ship. And I think that you've kind of seen that to be the case. The, the ship seems righted and you're taking him away from Auburn. All those Barners thought that he was like just playing with Alabama the entire time. Ah. No, that's, that's not the case. Also shout out Roll Tide Willie for uh, securing that, uh, that uh, signing. Um, but yeah, I feel really, really good going into football season. I'm excited for a day. Um, hopefully we'll have another great crowd there and it's going to be a great weekend at Tuscaloosa softballs at home, baseballs at home. Glad that we're doing it on a home baseball weekend. Uh, but I mean, I, th- I expect Alabama to be a playoff team in, uh, in this season. Yeah, you look at the college football playoff uh, kind of scenarios or, I guess, format that was released yesterday. That was kind of the focus of our show yesterday. You get the five automatic qualifiers and seven at-large bids. You're pretty much going to be fighting with the Big Ten for those at-large bids. Yeah, but obviously Alabama wants to win the SEC championship, but it's going to be very challenging. With bringing Texas and Oklahoma as well and no divisions you still, if you finish in the top three, top four of the SEC, you're probably a playoff team. And I, you know, look, you might lose. You got a tough schedule. You got at Oklahoma and Auburn back to back weeks in next year, and then obviously it doesn't get any easier with LSU and Tennessee if they play as well. So like, it's going to be a challenging schedule. But you didn't hire just like a dummy. <laughs> this guy knows what he's doing, man. Like he's one of the best offensive minds uh, in the country. Uh, I mean, I have trust that he's going to get our guys. And this is more talent than he's ever had to coach. And he led his team to a national championship game last year, despite you know that. Um, he's really good at taking guys and getting them into space. Um, and I think he's going to be able to do that with this with this roster that he has. Um, I like the hire of Kane Womack um, at defensive coordinator. You get a guy who knows the South um, and has familiarity with Coach DeBoer. Um, so I thought that was a slam dunk hire. I like the staff that he's put together overall. Obviously, you would have liked to have kept um, – another brain fart I'm having Ryan Grubb and and Huff you would have liked to have kept them but you totally understand why they did what they did was I a little bit disappointed that we didn't um go after uh more from Missouri maybe we did I don't know but that was kind of who I wanted to be the OC but I also know that it's still going to be DeBoer's offense he could call this offense if he wanted to um, and he has enough trust in Sheridan to be able to, to call that. So, and he's called it for him before. So I totally trust that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you lose a couple of games this year, you're still going to get in with the schedule that you're going to play. You look at Alabama football, a, a, a character or, or personality that has, look, inside the Alabama football family, people love Jalen Milrow and really believe in him. But outside of the Alabama football family, they say, oh, you can't pass, you can't process a defense. What do you think is going to be his outcome? When you get through the next six weeks, you're at the end of A day, because uh, you get, what, three or three weeks away from spring practice starting. You're six weeks away from A day. And. 
Jalen Milrow is what? Comfortably still quarterback number one or has thought about going into the transfer portal because the portal opens the next uh, the next two days. What's Jalen Milrow's future here uh, with, with the Crimson Tide? I wouldn't really be shocked by anything. I think that DeBoer likes him, and I think DeBoer can be successful with Milrow um, in terms of, you know, calling games to his skill set. I would like to hope that Jalen has a really good spring in terms of, you know, learning uh, you know the passing game, that Boer is able to come in and kind of be a little bit of a QB whisperer to him and, you know, get him to where he can make some of those more uh, difficult reads and not have to just take off running. Um, but I could also see, you know, the the 17-year-old kid that we got from Washington. I, I mean, DeBoer is clearly obviously very high on that kid. So to me, I honestly have no idea how, how that's going to go. But I know I feel good about the guys that we have um, at quarterback that somebody's going to step up and, you know, be the guy. And the really last football thing that I, that I want to get into, you're looking at what, like 83, 84, you're in that uh, low 80s range in scholarships. So you got a little bit of flexibility when you go into the spring transfer portal window. A lot of people, just as you were kind of saying, right after Nick Saban uh, retired, was kind of dancing on the grave, kind of, oh my gosh, it's all going to fall apart. The roster's still largely talented, and look, it's still uh, – the NIL is not really premier NIL like it is at maybe Texas or something, but it's still a great opportunity for players to succeed and get to the next level and win championships. What do you think that spring transfer portal window is going to bring for the Crimson Tide? I think you'll probably have a couple of guys who were lower on the depth chart than they thought they would be leave, which is going to open up – I think you could bring in five, six new guys. I, it would not shock me if one of our starting wide receivers is not currently on our roster right now. Um, and I think that they'll be able to identify some pitch, some positions of need um, in spring practice and then bring in some guys, some plug-and-play guys. Because, um, I mean, it's a, if you watched Washington last year, you saw that that would be in a really attractive offense to play in. Um, so I could definitely see guys who, you know, at other big-time schools or maybe even at, at some mid-majors who decide, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to come and be a part of this at Alabama, what DeBoer is building. All right, so let's move on to baseball, the sport that just got started, and you're spending a lot of your time at the Joe. You'll be there in just a little bit of time before Alabama uh, tips off against Florida. 4-0 through the early part of the year. You saw Alton Davis come into uh, the Sunday game and shut things down, but you did see bad. You did, did get bad news with Riley Quick having some arm surgery. Another year, another top starter going down uh, with kind of a, a season-ending deal. But the bats are – expected to mash what, 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 what do we know about Rob Vaughn obviously he had a good fall against Auburn and Florida State two good results and he hit the transfer portal hard you, you're pretty close to the baseball program what have been your impressions uh so far um I'm excited I think that we have more arms than we did last year I think our pitching has we have a ton more pitching depth than we did last year um the fact that we're going to be able to you, you hate to lose Riley quick that obviously hurts your depth but you know, now I think that you move Moza into that Saturday role. And Ferone, who pitched really, really well yesterday, I think, you know, there's a reason that he only threw, I think it was like 35 pitches yesterday. And that's because he's going to start on Sunday. Um, so you had a guy who you felt good about in midweek that you can now plug in to that role. Um, the pitching depth, I think, is what's going to really shine for this baseball team. Um, and I think the bats will be pretty similar to last year. Um, I don't know that we're going to hit as many, you know, bombs as we probably did last year this team hasn't shown a ton of power although after i left last night they hit two bombs in a row so what do i know um but 
I like the overall build of this team, and I'm excited for what um, for what Rob Vaughn's going to build. All right, so Alabama baseball is t- uh, having their first pitch at 3 p.m. Wait, is uh, it at 3 today? I think it's – well, maybe at 4, maybe at 4. Hold on. I think let me it's at 4. You uh, Softball's me. at 3. Softball's at 3. That's what it is. Softball's okay, you scared me because Alabama. I've been planning my entire day around getting to the Joe at 4. No, it's at 4. It's at 4. I'm sorry. Softball is taking on North Alabama at 4, and we wish those ladies very well as they are 10, 10-0 and 0 in their early part. All right, uh, rapid fire real quick. Last little, thi- last little bit. You see the blockade uniforms. Your thoughts on the resurgence of the blockade logo just across Alabama, just popularity. It was funny because before we broke out those uniforms that Saturday, I'd had, I'd had a conversation with uh, Springer, our uh, equipment guy for football. And I just wanted to know, like, why, what's been the deal with the resurgence of this logo? And it was pretty much it just happened kind of, you know, it just happened essentially. DeBoer got here, really liked it, started rocking it more. The basketball team has been doing it. Like Nate has several pullovers that that he's or that the staff has worn, and Nate loves the logo too. Um, I like see, I really like the shorts. Um, I like the overall uniform, and I think that you'll see Bama wear that more uh, moving forward. It wouldn't shock me if we wore it tonight. All right, what do we think about uh, the shoot for the moon change this year? That's been my biggest kind of uh, gripe at Coleman Coliseum. Obviously, you had a bunch of winners at the beginning of the year. For people who don't get to Coleman Coliseum, you get the half-court challenge, you get $200 in full moon gift card. You had to hit the uh, layup full. You had to hit the layup, the free throw, three-pointer, and half-quarter. But you had two rebounders, and you had like 40-some, 50-some seconds. You had a long time. Now it's 20 seconds, no rebounder. You still got to hit them all. But – $10,000 $10,000 if you make it. I think they need to get a little bit more time. And I don't love like it just that that amount of time makes it so that you can't do all those things and get and get your own rebound. Like you're going to have one shot maybe from if you I mean a lot of people aren't even getting to the like they're not even getting the three point level. Uh and if you do that if you make you're going to have to make your layup, make your free throw, make your first three and then you're probably going to only have one shot at that half court shot. Now, I did think it came off as incredibly cheap that we were giving somebody the the $200. So I like that we did change it up a little bit, but this might be a little bit too tough. My, my, my theory was that Full Moon said basically, because the first Friday night of the year, you had a winner in the women's game and the men's game. You had probably had three, four winners uh, through the first month or so of the season. And then it changed. My theory was, oh, we're giving away too many of these gift cards. We got to uh, make. See, I don't payments. think that's what it was. I think that it got too much attention and they realized they were coming off as cheap because these people were only getting $200. And then you had the story about the kid who won it at the bat at the men's game, his family owns dreamland. So, and I know that he sold that, uh, he sold the full moon card to one of his buddies for 150 bucks. <laughs> well, that's, hey, you made a good deal right there. Yeah. 150 bucks. He wasn't going to use it. He gets free barbecue anyway. Well, Hunter Johnson, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Joe Gaither Show. Please, everybody, go follow him if you're not already. If you're if you're not even on Twitter, he's at Burner L. Johnson. You can listen to him on Tide 100.9, wherever you are on the Tide 100.9 app. Most pre- and post-games, uh, what, two hours before, and then right after Chris and Brian say goodnight on, on uh, post-game. Uh, anything else you want to leave the people with before we, uh, we say goodbye? No, nah, man, just hoping for a good crowd at Coleman tonight. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Joe.
Yes, sir. That's Hunter Johnson joining us right here on the Joe Gaither Show. And I really appreciate his time, giving us a lot of insight and access to the Alabama Athletics Facility. Uh, I know uh, really have learned a whole, whole lot from Hunter over the last couple of years. And I really appreciate his friendship. If you're not uh, following him on Twitter, you're probably not on Twitter already. Uh, but if you are, if you aren't, uh, you need to look for him at Burner L. Johnson. You'll kind of get a good Alabama fan perspective on a lot of the sports. Alabama basketball, golf, baseball, really everything. Thing Alabama related right there with Hunter Johnson. All right, we're going to get out of here for the day. We've had a lot of fun. We are going to get ready to go to Coleman Coliseum. It's going to be at 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, look, just real quick, we gave you our picks yesterday that uh, Alabama would win. Uh, the line did come out at eight and a half. I like Alabama to cover barely. I, I think Florida's going to hang in there. I think Florida's going to hang in there tonight. I do think you're going to see it. Around each team's average, at you look at their points per game, 92 to 83. I think you're probably looking at that being about the right for uh, for tonight's ball game. And uh, if you're playing that, Alabama covers and everybody goes home happy. Uh, big upset last night. I missed the Arkansas-Texas A&M pick. Sorry about that. Uh, but we will look forward to uh, seeing what the guys do this evening. And then we'll, obviously we'll see baseball and softball as well as they are getting some midweek action early on in their year. As always, you can follow me at Joe Gaither 6 on the social media machines. I appreciate everybody who's watched today. If you're a first-time listener or viewer, we appreciate you so so much you can chime in on all the social media accounts at joe gaither six and you can subscribe rate and review the show at the joe gaither show on bama central on spotify apple podcasts and on amazon we want to thank our partners and friends at druid city music hall they're having the first of three nights in a row concerts this evening with pigeons playing ping pong they're having pigeons playing ping pong tonight 49 winchester on thursday i'm going to be in the house at druid city music hall on friday for the stews so get your tickets now at druidcitymusic.com you can get down there it's the premier live music venue on the strip druid city music hall they got three nights of concerts in a row starting tonight with pigeons playing ping pong we're gonna get out of here we're getting ready for alabama basketball you will have full coverage tonight on bama central at bamacentral.com thanks for joining us on today's edition of the joe gaither show on bama central Keep up with Joe on all his social media pages at JoeGaither6. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and be sure to read us daily at BamaCentral.com.